Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, and welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing worry from the emotional thesaurus. Hello, all of you sweet people. I am back with one of my favorite books. It's called The Emotion Thesaurus. Now, this is not a mental health book. This is a writer's guide to character expression. It's written by Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi. Now, what I love about not just this book, but life is that we can learn so much just by opening our eyes opening up to the possibility of what different things from different places, what it can show us, what it can guide. So what I love about the emotion thesaurus as a writer's tool is that it's also an emotional tool. So today I'm exploring the emotion worry. The definition of worry is it's a mental distress that arises from disturbing thoughts, usually regarding some anticipated event. So what are the physical signs of worrying? Well, we can wrinkle the brow, biting one's lip, pinching the skin at the throat, feet that bounce or tap. Can you see the anxiety as I describe these things? Pulling or twisting at one's hair, pacing, drinking too much coffee, smoking too many cigarettes, Worry creates circles under the eyes. Our eyebrows draw together towards the midline. When we're worrying, we're tossing and turning in bed. We have an inability to sleep soundly. We can ask too many questions internally inside of ourselves or externally. We can stroke or rub our eyebrows. We might look rumpled. We might have unwashed clothes. We might rub one's hands on our pants legs. We might go unwashed, dirty hair. It's hard to have good communication with other people when we're coming from a place of worry. We might have a gaze that flits around the room, never settling on a person or object for very long. This may be an expression of hypervigilance. We might cling to loved ones or objects. When worrying, we can take deep breaths in an effort to calm oneself, but there's a feeling as if we just can't catch our breath enough. We might engage in pointless activity as a way to stay busy, but distracted from our worry, even as we worry and the worry drives our pointless activity, our busyness behavior. We might call in sick to work because worry can make us feel sick. Our posture can stoop. 
We might clutch at our sweater, at our purse, or at a necklace, clutching to try to grab some comfort. We bite our nails, maybe even chewing on a knuckle. A small child may suck a thumb. I know I did till kindergarten. It was a big struggle with my mom. In worry, we might run a jerky hand through our hair. We might smooth and re-smooth clothing. We might clasp our hands together. Oh, I have this one. Our neck might stiffen. The neck and jaw muscles strained tight. We can have a pained or a watery gaze. We might clear our throat like a nervous clearing, trying to clear the worry. We might blink less as if worried and we might miss something. We fidget. We can have a hard time sitting still with that worry coursing through our mind and our body. We might sit, then stand, then sit again. Our internal sensations. We can have a loss of appetite or an increase in appetite as if we want to just put a whole lot of food to smush down that worry. Our stomach can turn sour or sensitive. Heartburn or other digestive issues. A dry mouth, a constricted tight throat. No wonder it's hard to communicate well through worry. I love the emotion thesaurus. It further breaks down our worry into the mental responses, not just the internal sensations. Mental responses, uncertainty over the choices made. And this may be a big consequence of practicing worry as a lifestyle. That any choice we make, because it's practiced, we've invited a pattern of worry, no matter how well we think out a choice before we make it. Another mental response, an unwillingness to leave a certain place, to leave a house or a car, a job, to leave a phone and be without it. Worry creates an inability to focus. I often think when someone self-reports ADD or ADHD to me, I wonder if that's a real inability to focus or if that's just the symptom we're focusing on when actually Worry is asking for some healing, for a different way to be. Another mental response that comes from worry is a need to control. And we can have compassion and understanding for the desire to want to control. But when we have a need to control and we just don't have the luxury of control over so many things in this life, it's a setup to feel like life is impossible and out of control. We can use worry to stay in regret and stay in the past instead of being more present in the now. Worry can have us distancing ourselves from others, isolating. This is a big one with highly sensitive people that worry encourages us to overread into things, overanalyze. We tend to believe as highly sensitive people prone to worry that if we just think more and more and more and more and more, some kind of answer will show itself. When we may be burying the answer with our worry instead of uncovering it. Another mental response that's very common to worry, assuming the worst case scenario. Y'all have heard me talk about the worst case scenario through the topic of imagination. 
challenging you to own your imagination and practice some best case scenario instead of assuming the worst case scenario moment to moment to moment to moment. We can become overprotective of ourselves and others. And worry often is the culprit of irritability. And I find that highly sensitive people struggle to recognize that. They tend to judge themselves. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm irritable. I'm grouchy. I'm snappy. Not understanding that the catalyst that creates much of that irritability comes from incessant worry. The emotion thesaurus highlights cues of acute or long-term worry. We may have weight loss as much as weight gain. Our gut, where we feel our appetite affected, made wonky by the worry. We can go gray prematurely. We can find new wrinkles. Our grades can slip if we're in school or our work performance can slip. We might develop ulcers, anxiety attacks, panic disorders. Physically, we can develop high blood pressure. The worry pressurizing our blood It's interesting to think about it in that way, isn't it? And this can lead to increased heart disease, increased sickness and illness due to compromised immune system. If we are worrying constantly and fighting ourselves on every single choice that we make, it's as if our own self is attacking our own self. It's hard for our immune system to stay strong under the weight of that. When worry affects our sleep and we have insomnia and then fatigue, the cascading effects of worry after it's at the place of affecting our sleep can be staggering. Because of all these physical ailments that can develop from worry, it's easy to see that there can be a really simple, way too simple leap from worry to hypochondria. And all hypochondria means is becoming obsessed with potential illness. Cues of suppressed worry. So as a tribe of people who struggled in childhood, who come from a lot of chaos, a lot of trauma, it's natural that we would have learned, despite feeling maybe a constant sense of worry, to also suppress much worry. And that worry can show up by obsessively watching the clock or watching a door. We might be jumpy. One of the official DSM, that's the Diagnostical and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, we're on the fifth edition. One of the criteria of post-traumatic stress is increased startle response. In common vernacular, we would call that jumpiness, right? We might have a strained or faked smile that's painted on our face in an attempt to mask the worry that weighs just beneath the surface. We might adopt new things to do, taking things on just to distract oneself. We might put up a false front and be very expert at the false front, as if everything is okay. And we're not very present. We tend to go about our daily activities with our mind somewhere other than where we are in the moment, allowing worry to take our energy, our life force, our mind to the places of what can go wrong, what could go wrong, what might be going wrong. 
Worry does not know how to be present and see what is right about this very moment. One of the things I love about this book is after each emotion is highlighted, explained, discussed, there's a writer's tip. And for worry, this writer's tip is whether details can add texture and meaning to a scene. Consider how a character's mood can shift because of the weather. It can also stand in the way of their goals providing tension. So if I ask you to look at worry, potentially all of your emotions, but for today's episode, worry as weather, I get the sense that worry is like a constantly forming storm. And if I see an actual storm brewing outside, what I want, without even realizing I want this, but what, what, I, what is natural next is for that storm to finish forming and at a point to release, to dump, to let go of all the rain, all the moisture that it's picked up. Now, sometimes that storm starts to form and does release the rain. And other times it starts to form And then it's like some other weather patterns can come in and those clouds actually dissipate. And the storm and release doesn't have to happen. It disappears. It moves on. It transforms. It becomes something else. The sky no longer needs to cry and release in that moment. What would it be like to consider your worry, your anxiety in such a way? In my own mind, in my relationship with my inner psyche, that would sound like, hey, self, what are you doing? Is the storm going to blow over or is it going to rain and cleanse, release? Come on, storm. Pick what you're going to do. I don't want to live in a perpetual state of forming worrisome storms. Now, on this healing path, what we learn is that we have more choice, and that is empowerment. We have more choice than we ever realized we did when we were young and developing around chaos or neglect or abuse, and that as an adult, the difference between being a child and being an adult is that we have permission to choose, and one of the things that we can choose is to guide ourselves through our emotions in ways that serve us instead of get us stuck or stagnant. I hope there's something about this episode that helps you own your process, that helps you find the empowerment of choice. What would it be like to choose to release that worry or to shift allow another weather pattern to come in and see those clouds dissipate. If you'd like to come share with me about the weather in your life, how this episode maybe helps you conceptualize your worry and find empowerment around it so that you were driving the emotions of your life instead of the emotions of your life driving you. I would love to hear about it on Patreon if you'd like to join up there. Or you can come find me on Instagram. You can find me by searching my name, Nikki Eisenhower, or Emotional Badass. I'm often tagged on the Emotional Badass 
Instagram account. You can find me at either place. And you can share your experience when we post this episode on Instagram. Remember, I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I'll see you right here next time. Light and love. Bye-bye.